fairy tales, children's stories about magical and imaginary beings and lands, often the first lens we give young minds to view the world they live in. Many assume these are fictional stories to be taken lightly, but what if there is more to them? This is a podcast where we'll tell you some myths and tales that you thought you knew, and we'll show you how they are connected to real-life crimes today. This is Scary Tales, where the stories of your childhood meet real-life horror. We'll discuss how the light and happy tales of youth actually have a darker history to them. We'll also discuss true crime today and some of the eerie connections they have to the myths and legends of yesterday. Tune in for a new tale every other Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you stream your podcast. Yeah, uh, Hannah is watching her baby on a monitor. And I said, what are those two numbers? She said, oh, there's her oxygen and her blood pressure. And I said, her blood pressure? You got some fancy equipment over there. It, wasn't her, it wasn't her blood pressure. No, it said BPM, which is beats per minute. And Hannah thought that meant blood pressure monitor. <laughs> I, no, I thought it thought meant blood pressure measure, which is funnier because that rhymes. And it would never be called that. Right. But, you know, it makes sense. Thank you. Anyways, Emma's breathing fine and her heart rate's good. and. She's at the perfect temperature. She's snoozing. Hold this. Please hold. I have an intro for today. Oh, okay. Where are you going? Don't don't worry about it. Never mind. What were you going to play? Fail. I was going to play Mary Had a Little Lamb. You know it on the the piano? Yeah, girl. I can play a couple things on the piano. And I can play a couple things on the guitar. I got the wiggly. I got the squeaky chair. I love the squeaky chair. Um, I cannot play Mary Had a Little Lamb. That's what we're talking about today. Uh Uh-huh. And I only know a very little bit What about on the recorder? Maybe. Uh-huh. That hot cross buns to, all day. I'll have to pull fifth grade back out of my, yeah, out of, out of the recesses of my brain. Uh-huh. What were you going to say? Um, I was going to say, I only know a little bit of Mary had a little lamb. Like I know like maybe three lines. Mary had a little lamb, followed her to school one day. His uh-huh. fleece was white as snow. Everywhere Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. There, let me say this. That's there, all I got. There are a lot of nursery rhymes about lambs. Is this our first nursery rhyme? First, no, we did Humpty. Well, you didn't. Me and Chase did Humpty Dumpty. Okay. That's right. But you um, got, um, you got, uh, what's her name? Baba Black Sheep. Have you any wool? And you got Lil Bo, Bo Peep. Peep. I, knew, I, remember that I don't really know any of them either. Like Lil Bo Peep's like, Little Bo Peep lost her sheep. And didn't she know didn't know where, where to, to find, find them. them. And she fell out of bed and bumped her head and and the, went up the water spout. It's <laughs> <laughs> in a mashup now. Um, no, when I talked to Lacey about what episode we were going to do next, she said, Mary had a little lamb. I said, that's perfect for Easter. And she uh-huh. was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cause, we didn't um, plan that, but it just kind of it a little after Easter, but fell into our laps. But still, it's perfect timing for the season. Mm-hmm. I, for, I, I didn't think about the fact that we could have done the history of the Easter Bunny next year. Oh, which is creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll we'll have to we'll break that down for you next year. We digress. We do digress. Um, Lacey, do you want to start us off with the actual, the actual nursery rhyme? Other yeah. than the, the it, like three lines I know. It's three. Is that stanzas? Yes. Good job. There you a go. Plus. It's not a, a plus. It's not a haiku. Five it's, seven five. It's not. Is that right? That is right. Listen to me. Um, I taught you about blood pressure. You're teaching me about literary devices. That's that's how the relationship works over here. The first part is familiar. You got Mary had a little lamb. Its fleece was white as snow. And everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. He followed her to school one day. That was against the rule. It made the children laugh and play to see a lamb at school. And then this new part, I mean, well, it's not new. It might be new to you, but the next few parts. Definitely new to me. And so the teacher turned him out, but he... 
still he lingered near i'm confused about why the lamb's a boy in my head the lamb's a sheep kind of like how all cats are girls and all dogs are boys anyways <laughs> and waited patiently about till mary did appear and then he ran to her and laid his head upon her arm and if he said i'm not afraid you'll keep me from all harm as if he said excuse me i was like why is he talking <laughs> talking male sheep hey it wouldn't be the first time what makes the lamb love Mary so? The eager children smile. Oh, Mary loves the lamb, you know, the teacher did reply. And you each gentle animal and confidence may bind and make them follow at your call if you are always kind. Little lesson for the kids there. Mm-hmm. To be nice. Right. Um, yeah, I only know like four of those lines. Yeah. So I just know the first part. That's the only part. I never heard anything about the teacher. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Which I appreciate as a teacher. There you go. Now... You're probably wondering how are we going to make this spooky. So there's there's some there's some controversy. There's some backstory to this. Um, uh-huh. It's not so much spooky. It's, it's just like let's spill the tea. Yes, yes. This is not now the second part spooky. Yeah, as always. But uh-huh. yeah, not not too gory here with the nursery rhyme. Right. But there's controversy over um, this poem, specifically over like the lineage of the poem, with two separate women claiming to be the authors. So a little bit of mm-hmm. controversy. The poem was first published in 1830 by Sarah Josepha Hale. Is that how you would say her middle name? Josepha? You know, it sounds better than what I would have said. I would have said Josepha. But I, again, <laughs> emphasis, wrong syllable. <laughs> I'm going to go with Josepha. Uh-huh. Um, it was originally only called Mary's Lamb and was part of a book of short children's poems aptly called Poems for Our Children. There you go. Real, real creative. Side note, though, Sarah Hale, we'll just call her that since her middle name's a little funky. Mm-hmm. She was impressive. She was a boss lady. Mm-hmm. Her parents were um, really big advocates for education for both the sexes. So Sarah was able to get a much higher education than other ladies of that Imagine were her age. that. Imagine that. She was worth more than... More than a, a book of poems. There you go. Her husband died early on in their marriage, so she became the single mom to five children. And to take care of her children, uh, she needed money. And to make money, she turned to poetry as a means of income. Which that, I love nice. that. You would love to be a poet I for would income. I love that. That would be, that's the dream. Mm-hmm. She even became the editor. This is, that, this is more of the dream. She even became the editor of the first women's magazine in the U.S. called Gaudy's Ladies Book. There you go. Her columns covered everything from women's education to child rearing. And she used her platform to support other causes, including abolishing slavery and later colonization. So she was doing a lot of stuff with her with her writing and editing. I did see, I I was reading where she did believe strongly in classic woman, women roles, Mm -hmm. such as staying in the home and all of that and not really going out to the workplace. So... Which is interesting. Yeah. Because she definitely was not that. Right. So um, maybe she just like supported it if that's what you wanted to do, wanted to do for yourself. Yeah. And, and for herself, she's like, do. I'm going to be a writer and editor. Uh-huh. So, um, most famously, though, she is is her role in making Thanksgiving a national holiday. Whoever knew that? We could have talked about her at Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. In the mid-1940s, 19, er, Thanksgiving was only celebrated in the northeast part of the country. Which is so hard for me to imagine because when I think Thanksgiving, I, I think good old southern cooking. Right. But apparently not. Nope. Apparently we didn't know about it back then. Um, in 1863, while the nation was in the middle of the Civil War, President Lincoln signed into action the, quote, National Day of Thanksgiving and Praise. 
Mm-hmm. And Miss Hale wrote a letter to Lincoln, which is often cited as the main factor in his decision. Because she was like, look at all that good food they're eating up there. Once again, she used her writing to mm-hmm. make something happen. Can you, oh, we need to come up with a holiday that you can ag- advocate for. I would love that. Write old Biden a letter. What do we want to do? National Dog Nash- Day. That's, that was literally what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. National Cake take, Day. Take your, instead of like take your kid to work day, take your dog to work day. Absolutely. Let's do it. In 1830, Sarah collaborated with musician Lowell Mason, who set the poem to a tune. And oddly enough, the melody is not one that we would probably recognize or remember. I was going to get Chase to come in here and play it. He can play it? Uh, well, I didn't pull up the music sheet. I, I listened could. to it, but... Um, it's, it's not the one we normally know? Right. We didn't realize that the we would be filming this at 8 o'clock at night. I, side story, I normally go to bed at 7. And this I, is eight o'clock on a Wednesday, and I'm, so I'm Chase honored. is already in bed. I'm honored. Really? Yeah, I'm. I'm only in bed by nine, but yeah, I get in bed. I sit ASAP. up five thirty. I, I get home. I eat normally around five thirty. Yeah. I take a shower at six. I'm not even gonna lie. A lot of times it's six thirty, and I'm in bed, and I read and fall asleep. I love that. But here we are. Here we so are. who knows what's gonna? I'm gonna say. I'm, I'm actually glad that what we're talking about is not too too scary then, because I can't do a lot of. I can't film a lot of our episodes at night just because they're spooky well i mean i know wait till i know wait till part two but at least this part's Mm -hmm. not horrible so i so this is not this would not be the tune that we recognize like mary had a little yeah it's not that one there she goes sang for the first time i know you heard it here first Mm -hmm. so mason and hale shared the belief that simple children's poems set to music could be used to teach good christian morals to kids that would help them grow into productive and upright citizens. And they're right, because who didn't learn Mary had a little lamb and remember it their right. whole life? Yeah, music just helps you remember things. So mm-hmm. um, then by the 1850s, the poem was being published in school books nationwide, and the kids loved it. Mm-hmm. So you might be wondering what inspired this story about a little lamb or a little girl and her little lamb? A little lamb and her little, a little girl. A little lamb and her little girl. <laughs> we need to write the like uh, the reverse of mm-hmm. this story. Anyway, according to one of her biographies, Sarah Josepha Hale, a New England pioneer, she was she began to teach young boys and girls at a school near her home in Newport, New Hampshire. One day, a little girl named Mary brought her lamb to school, which obviously was a distraction during class. So Sarah made Mary put the lamb outside until the school day was over, which everyone was surprised, including the children, to find that the lamb was still just waiting for Mary at the end of the school day. Uh, the children asked the teacher why the li- the little lamb loved Mary so much. And Sarah explained to them it was simply because Mary was good to the lamb. And she used this to you know get the moral across of just being good to animals, being kind. Mm-hmm. That's that last line about always being kind. Right. Um, so the, the last little uh, four lines, actually. So this is supposed to have inspired that. The last four lines are, and and you each gentle animal in confidence may bind and make them follow at your call if you are always kind. I would have loved that. I know. A little lesson about being nice to animals. Yeah. Um, that's the official origin story of the poem. Um, we told you there's some controversy around that. So another woman claims that she's the author, and her name is Mary Sawyer. Makes sense. A lot of Marys back there. I I cannot say words like Sawyer because the W and the Y. I want to say Sawyer. 
That's Sa- Sawyer. That's fine. That's probably how it's supposed Sa- to be pronounced. Sawyer. No. No. Same thing with names like Peyton, Martin. Because I'm Martin. Because it's Martin. You yeah. Have, but we are from the South, so we say Martin. Yeah. Or Peyton. Yeah. Or Colton. But those are all fine to me. I don't. I don't, I don't see the problem. It's like how Chase says Atlanta. Oh. Uh, when we say Atlanta, Atlanta, it's just like you're just sound too proper. Yeah. Too proper. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, back to Mary Sawyer. When she was 70 years old, uh, she claimed that back in 1815, when she was only nine years old, she was caring for a baby lamb. Uh, she claims that one day her brother suggested that they take the lamb to school with them. She attempted to hide the lamb in a basket underneath her desk, but when she stood up to recite something for the teacher, the lamb obviously began to make noise. So she said that her teacher just outright laughed at her and she was so embarrassed that she took, Mary took her lamb out to the shed for the rest of the school day and they just hid out there. They didn't put that in the poem. No. And Mary put the lamb in a shed and it died of heat stroke. Did it, no, it didn't die. Well, the real lamb. We'll get it probably, to it. It probably, well, yeah. The same day, a 10-year-old boy named John Rulestone just so happened to be visiting the school. He found the incident with the lamb delightful, went home and wrote the lines of the three stanza poem and returned to school the next day on horseback to hand deliver the original verses of Mary Had a Little Lamb to Miss Mary Sawyer herself. Likely story. I, yeah, I don't buy that. She shared, then shared the poem with friends who soon shared it around town, and she just became, apparently the whole thing became super well-known. Okay. I don't buy that. Okay. It's just, you're 70 years old. You wait till you're 70. And you and this all happened when you were nine? Mm-hmm. In 1830, when Mary Sawyer was 24, Sarah Hale's poem was published, so the other lady we talked about. Mm-hmm. So at some point, Mary came across it and thought it must be her lamb and that the poem must belong to that boy, John Ralston, and that someone had just expanded on it, uh, which wouldn't be too hard to believe considering Mary's hometown of Sterling, Massachusetts, was only about 90 miles from Sarah's hometown of Newport, New Hampshire. So, so she thinks, oh, it's so popular, it just got around, and yeah. somebody slapped a couple extra verses on it and published it. I could see that. So, however, the piece of paper with the poem written on it, gifted to Mary Sawyer, obviously disappeared. I mean, that was... Yeah, if it was so great, why didn't she save it? Yeah. That's convenient. Yeah. And and what else is convenient? uh, John Ralston tragically died while a freshman at Harvard. So he was not around to kind of corroborate her story. Mm. Regardless of if Mary's telling the truth, her hometown of Sterling, Massachusetts celebrates her with a two-foot bronze lamb in the middle of the town square. And the house she grew up in was preserved over the years until it was unfortunately destroyed by arson in 2007. But she got a statue. That's their claim to fame. Uh, that, that is it. To add a little bit more drama to this story, Henry Ford, yes, the founder, the Henry Ford, the founder of the Ford Motor Company, he becomes involved. Well, why not? Wow. At the time, he owned Wayside Inn in Sudbury, Massachusetts. And I'm so glad that you're the one talking about this because <laughs> I forgot I, you, you can't say it. I can't. There's a Give mental a block where I can't say that word. Give I'm not going to try. I'm just going to start calling it mass, and I just need all of you to know that that's to what understand. I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, well, so when Mary Redstone's 
schoolhouse was closed in 1856. It was used as a barn or a garage for the Baptist parsonage in Sterling. But then in 1826, which was almost 40 years after Mary's death, Henry... 19. 1926. Why, why, why You're trying to put us further back. I really am. I, numbers. I'm mm-hmm. the English person. 1926. So this is 40 years after Mary death, Mary's death. Henry Ford purchased what remained of the frame of this barn and incorporated those remains into a schoolhouse that he built in Sudbury. And then he used the schoolhouse as an attraction at the Wayside Inn. He's like, Mary had a little lamb, and this is Mary went to school, and now I'm you gonna, can come stay here. I'm going to build a school, and everybody can kind of come yeah. and visit. If that wasn't enough, in 1928, he wrote a 60-page book called Story of Mary and Her Little Lamb which made the case for why Mary Sawyer was the real inspiration behind the famous poem. How are you so invested in I don't this? Know. I, exactly. As I'm like, Henry who, Ford. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? That you're going to write a whole story on it. Maybe he had a, a podcast about nursery rhymes. Could have been. In, in this book, he points out the differences in style between the first 12 lines and the very last 12 lines, with the theory being that John Ralston wrote the first 12 lines and that Sarah Hale wrote the last 12. The first the first 12 lines are the well-known part. I mean, we only knew like the first four of them before mm-hmm. this. And the more and therefore more appealing to children while the last 12 are still sweet, but they're more of the like moralistic message driven part of the poem. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, on the same hand, most children's poems in this time were they were written to to teach a lesson. Yeah, most children things in general we talk about the brightness right. to it's teach a to lesson. To teach something. Not to mention, it was very common for children in rural town to have animals which would follow them to school. So my grandfather told me he had a donkey. I, I, want, I followed want, him to school. I want donkeys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So apparently that was a a, a common occurrence. Yeah. But you know, all grandparents were like, when I was knee high to a grasshopper, there was ten feet of snow, and I and I'm like, walked, we lived in Alabama, okay, uphill both ways mm-hmm. in the snow, and my donkey was donkey behind me, followed me. There you go. Uh, you want to share? Do you want to share this? Our sheep facts. Sheep facts. Since you're our animal lover, I mean, so, I love animals as well. But apparently, sheep's a lot of time are not good mothers, and they'll just abandon their their baby lambs. Um, so many lambs are left orphaned, and they require bottle feeding. And bottle feeding a lamb requires a lot of time. You bottle feed a human. I do. It probably takes a lot of time. It so does. most farmers don't really have the time to spare so the orphan lambs are often given to the farmer's children to raise and then because the children are taking care of them so well the lamb becomes attached to them and they follow them everywhere they go i love that Mm -hmm. another another reason why you know mary's little lamb followed so it i could i believe the part where a lamb theoretically would follow follow, yeah to school it's like a dog and wouldn't abandon Mm -hmm. like would just sit outside and wait for you to yeah where else is it gonna go that back to the farm i guess Mm -hmm. Um, it is kind of ironic that the girl in the poem is named Mary, but on the other hand, Sarah Hale wrote poems with the hope of instilling Christian values, and Mary, obviously, is the most biblical lady yeah. name possible. So ending this on a sad note before we switch over to... On a to, spooky note? Yeah, mm-hmm. and on sad before we switch over to spooky, Mary Sawyer later wrote a letter to a friend describing how her sheep only lived to four years old. Mm-hmm. It had many babies of its own before being gored to death by a cow. So, what? How long do sheep normally live? Sheep. Hold I don't on, know. I'm looking it up. You look, more sheep facts for sheep, you. Sheep. Thirteen years. So that oh, that four. lamb. Yeah, that, that lamb, lamb died. Lamb. Died young and got gored by a cow. 
it, it, see, cow's t- mistake. That meant um, the bull, not a cow. Yeah. Can't I was, get that's what I was wondering. Back. I was like, uh, just they just have the ears. But yeah, the unless bull. they just stomped him to death. Could have. Anyways, da, da, da. <laughs> a little bit of sadness for you there. Yeah. Before we switch it gets to much yeah. worse. So before we stick around, I'm very excited about snack break. Let's just get on to it. You ready? Yeah. You, we're not even going to break? We're just going straight into it? No, I'm in. Okay. Hit, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I you was like, pause that's... while I prepare. It's a snack, and I'm very sad that Hannah. Wow, Hannah just gave me this whole explanation of how if baby lambs are lost, <laughs> they have to find its mother. And if you put it, pair it with the wrong mother in the herd, the, it'll attack uh, it and kill it. Yeah, and the, to get around that, if they need it to bond have, with a mom that's not a sexual mom, they'll dip the lamb in the in the, amniotic in the, in the baby juices. Yeah, they have to the make it mom. Yeah, they and have to I make don't know where they get that from. And anyways, to now we're to gonna do a snack break. They have to make it smell like it's baby. They have to. Trick I just it. don't know why they. Where did they? Did they I go just, back in time and retrieve the amniotic fluid? Uh-huh. I need you to watch the episode of Clarkson's Farm. I'm not when going they to raise, now. When After they raise the animals, not, I can't. But I'll, I will tell you this. Yeah, I'm very scared because today we're trying Reese's potato chips. Big, big cups. cups. So this is a Reese's that has, has potato chips in it. You got Reese's Puffs. You got Reese's Pieces. You've got, um, what else do you got? I like Regular it. Reese's, white chocolate Reese's. So what's your favorite type of Reese's? I really like, I like the Reese's Pieces. Yeah, I was going to say Reese's Pieces is my favorite. They also have Reese's Cups with Reese's Pieces in them, which is an inception. I haven't had that. But I like the concept of this. I haven't tried it yet, but I like the okay. concept. It's salty sweet. I, d- I normally hate salty sweet things, so <laughs> love this for me. I like the the idea. It is very large. It is big. I don't need it's it. It's a big cup. I don't need it to be that big. Yeah, this is like this is a deep dish. This is like Chicago style. Yeah. Oh. It smells like Reese's. Does it smell like potato chips? It smells salty. Ready? Okay. Yeah. One, two, three. Oh. oh my. Did you hear that crunch? That sounded like you just ate a potato chip. I know. Hold on, I didn't get one. Oh, yeah, I did. It's very subtle. I mean, I would say that that was the most unsubtle thing I've ever heard. No, I'm talking flavor-wise. You got a really good chip. Oh, here we go. How are you doing that? I don't know. Let me get this one. Nope. (laughs) Also, I don't see the chip. I just hear it. I know, I don't see it either. It's good. It's just yeah. it just makes it crunchy. It does. It adds a little bit of crunch to it. It doesn't really affect the flavor. No. That's why I said it's subtle. It's just a little bit of crunch to it. Hmm. Not bad. I'm not opposed to that. Mm-mm. If it wasn't eight o'clock at night, I'd eat the whole thing. Let me give me a sip of water. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Just a little crunch. I will say, if you look at the actual inside of it, it mm-hmm. just looks like a regular Reese's cup. If you look at the inside on the photo, mm-hmm. That's misleading. Oh, yeah. That's not what it looks like on the inside of it. Honestly, I don't want to eat that as much no. as looking inside that one. That's what I was going to say is that the, the photo on the mm-hmm. packaging of it, not nearly as appealing. Yeah, as they're, they're good. They're not just a crunchier Reese's cup. Yeah. All right. I that support, was a success. I support that. I'd give it you get what, you get an 8 out of 10. Okay. That's pretty good. It's a passing grade. And All that right. was a great snack break for today. Right. Thank, you for, thank you for joining us. See you next time.
today is yeah, the yeah, day. Yeah, all done with the snack break, not with the tonight episode. Tonight is the night. <laughs> it's it's going to be weird, and I'm going to mispronounce everything because I'm tired. To this be completely first, transparent. First nighttime episode. I fell asleep before you got here. That's okay. So, and then I woke I up. Pre- I appreciate you staying up later so I could put Emma to bed. Yeah. I sang it, her a little nursery rhyme. and mm-hmm. Now you can sing her the whole. Now I can sing her the whole thing. Three stanzas. All of them. We're also just, we tried to make it creepy by turning on the lamp, but my bulb was out and we didn't have any more light bulbs, so we're just sitting in the bright. Pitch black dark outside, just mm-hmm, bright in here. Bright bulbs It was supposed to be storming tonight, though, so. Which um, would have made it even spookier. Let me just pop out my pop socket. Yeah, go for <laughs> get, it. Get it in between my fingers. You what have, are you, who are you telling me about today? Okay. Where, where are we going to go from nursery rhyme, Mary had a little lamb? Mm, I bet you're wondering. Well, it's really simple. Today we're going to tell about an 11-year-old serial killer, a little girl named Mary Flora Bell, very popular in England. Really, the only connection is that she's little, and her name's name's Mary, Mary. and I hope to God she never had a lamb, because if she did, she would probably cut its neck off. Yeah, most serial killers are not not kind to little animals. Correct. So, are you ready? Uh, I'm never ready, but yeah, I'm ready. Mary Flora Bell is a cute name. That is cute, but oof. but okay. um, but it's not going to go on the name list after this story. I can already right. tell. Mary Flora Bell was born on May 26, nineteen fifty-seven, in Newcastle, England. We love a Gemini, don't yes. we? Yes, I'm a we Gemini. Do. Uh, Kanye West is a Gemini. Oh, <laughs> but so is Johnny Depp. Oh, that's the real reason, right. right there. Her mother, Elizabeth Betty Bell was a prostitute who had Mary at the age of 16. I was about to say, Betty Bell's also cute, but not going on the list either. Mm -hmm. Mary was a neglected child right from the start. Her aunt later recalled how Mary's mother resented hospital staff for even placing Mary in her arms. And when they did this, she stated, quote, take that thing away from me. That's so right from the start. This is bad going well from the get go. Hold on. I have it. You have a I chip have a, stuck in you? I have a chip in my wisdom tooth hole. If you, if you, if you, I got it. I got it. past our snack. Do you eat it? I do. Okay. That happens sometimes. It's a snack for later. <laughs> oh, no. Mary's biological father was not in the picture, but her mother married Billy Bell shortly after she was born. And he was essentially her father for the rest of her life. But, he was a violent alcoholic with a criminal record for armed robbery. We hate to see it. No role models really nope. in her life. As a child, Mary was known for suffering from several questionable injuries around the house frequently. And on one occasion, Mary fell or was dropped out of a first floor window. On another, she overdosed on sleeping pills. Overdosed in air, in quotes. air quotes that you can't see. And this led many people to believe that her mother was intentionally attempting to harm or kill her. It's not a stretch, considering she didn't want her to start with. One time, she reportedly sold Mary to a mentally unstable woman who was unable to have children, and her sister had to travel across Newcastle in order to retrieve her and return her back home. Yikes. There's a market for selling children, I guess. I guess. That's really sad. But it's not like Mary's mother didn't have help because several family members attempted to adopt Mary, but her mother always turned them down. The worst trauma Mary suffered was unfortunately sexual abuse. 
her mom and her, they lived in a small house, one bedroom house. Often Mary's mom would take her clients home. And so not only did Mary have to watch her mother work, air quotes, Mm. her mother was also known for being a sadomasochist and she would make, also make Mary perform sexual acts with the men. And this started at the age of five. So at this point, if you're thinking about what Mary knows about love at this point, she's only been shown neglect and abuse. And this is what is normal to her that she thinks this is what humans do. This is how humans are. Not surprising. Mary began showing disturbing signs early on. She suffered from severe mood swings as well as chronic bedwetting. And remember we talked about bedwetting I don't know, was that last week? There's like three signs of being a serial killer. Chronic bedwetting is one of them. She began to have constant fights at schools with other children, both boys and girls. And by fighting, she would fight them, but she would also attempt to strangle them on multiple occasions. At one point, she even held a girl down and stuffed her mouth full of sand in an attempt to suffocate her. Yeah, that's not just like pinching or scratching or like shoving somebody down the playground. That's that's intense. Right. Her classmates would later describe how they became accustomed to distinct changes in Mary's behavior that warned them she was about to snap. They said she would begin shaking her head back and forth. I imagine that looks like she's possessed. And then she would lock her eyes on you. And she had this dark brown hair and these striking blue eyes. And they, if she looked at you and locked her eyes on you, you were toast. That's you terrifying. were done. You were her next target. Her next victim. So as you can imagine, Mary did not have many friends. She didn't even have a little lamb friend to follow her to school. So she eventually became friends with her next door neighbor named Norma Joyce Bell. They were not related. Okay. Interesting. Um, and Norma Bell was described as t- having some type of mental delay. In the documentary I was watching, they just frequently called her simple-minded. So you can see how Mary would be able to manip- manipulate her yeah. into being her friend. Um, and because of this, it's thought that Mary was able to convince Norma to do anything she wanted, including being her friend. And just a side note about the setting of this story. Mary lived in the Scottswood area of Newcastle, which was known for being the poor part of town where crime and violence was more common. And a lot of women in the area had to turn to prostitution to help out their families. Not that her mother cared about helping her out, but this left a bunch of the children constantly unsupervised and children were known to roam the street all hours of the night. And they had plenty places to hide because many of the buildings in the neighborhood were dilapidated and no longer livable. And children were used these places to play. Who knows? That's kind of creepy. Yeah. There's like all these kids running around these mm-hmm. like abandoned buildings. Right. On Saturday, May 11th, 1968, Mary and Norma were able to lure a three-year-old boy to the top of an abandoned air raid shelter when one of the girls pushed him off the roof and seven feet to the ground. Seven feet's not a long way, but if you're three years old, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's too far. So later on, he was found wandering down the street, dazed and bleeding, and was found to have a severe laceration on his head. But at okay, that so time, nobody knew so he what did this. Yeah. yeah. That same day, three young girls reported to the police that they had been strangled by Mary and Norma. And the police interviewed the girls, but they were eventually eventually let go with only a warning. Because you, where are you going to, back then especially, where are you going to do with two little girls? Yeah. Send, put them in the jail. Yeah. But three stranglings and one uh, mm-hmm. uh, attempted murder is... Yeah, it's pretty... It's a lot for one day. Right. 
Two weeks later, on the evening of her 11th birthday, May 26, 1968, Mary and Norma made plans to ambush a four-year-old little boy named Martin Brown. They lured him in by offering, offering him candies and then took him to an old building where Mary choked him to death. The amount of forethought and manipulation. From an 11-year-old. Right. Later that day, around 5 p.m., a neighbor called Martin's mom to tell him that Martin had had an accident. His mother rushed to the scene where there was a large group of people gathered outside, and she ran upstairs to where her son was lying on the floor unresponsive. And she said she he felt cold, so she put her cardigan around him at this point, hoping that he was still alive, because she was also thinking he, he didn't he was not yeah. he did not have a mark on his body beside a little bit besides a little bit of blood running down the side of his face so she was thinking there was a chance but he was dead on arrival at the hospital the police did investigate and initially assumed that the boy overdosed because they found an empty pill bottle that was found near his body i guess uh, he hey. didn't intentionally overdose but i guess they're thinking he found these pills swallowed them like thought they were candy and died. or something mm-hmm. But that pill bottle could have easily been left by a tenant before the place was abandoned because it was an abandoned building. The other theory was that Martin died of fright. Hmm. He had a fear of heights from falling down the stairs when he was younger. So it was thought that he climbed the stairs, couldn't get down, and subsequently died of fear. I'm like, that sounds like the, the fun fact about cows, how yeah. cows cow- can't climb down stairs. I feel like if he was afraid of heights, he wouldn't have climbed he up the stairs up. to start with. Yeah. Right? The, new, the local newspaper even had a headline that read, Rat Alley Boy May Have Died of Fright. Uh, Rat Alley Boy? Right. So that was the name of the neighborhood, but I was watching an interview oh, with the okay. mother. I was like, that's... Mm-hmm. But that was the nickname of the neighborhood. Okay. And the mother was like, you have no idea how horrible it was to see my son's name next to the word rat. Yeah. After he had just died. Yeah, that's pretty bad. So coincidentally, Mary and Norma used to babysit for Martin's aunt. And Martin's mother would be visiting with her sister while Mary was around. And she later recalled how Mary asked prying questions such as, do you miss Martin? Or do you cry for him? I just got chills. That's she is, so She is creepy. possessed. She is a psycho little that turd. terrifying. One time she said that Mary and Norma even came to her own house and asked to see Martin. And his p- mother had to politely remind them that Martin was dead. To which Mary grinned and responded, Oh, I know he's dead. I want to see him in his coffin. No. I can't. You just need to insert that sound. That's like... Yeah, that's horrible. At this, Martin's mother said that she slammed the door in Mary's face and collapsed in the floor in sobs. And I would have... have I think I would have slammed the door and ran to, like, get a kitchen knife. I think I would have just kicked her straight in the forehead. Yeah, that's... That's just... That's... Mm -hmm. I, like, have no words. Two days after Martin Brown's death, police were called to a Scottswood nursery. There had been a break-in, and officers found four pieces of paper containing hand-scribbled messages, and they read. They're very hard to read, A, because you'll see. It's Mm -hmm. also written very poorly. The first message read, I murder so that I may come back. Whatever that means. Good grammar. Number two says, fudge, or fluke. Of we murder, watch out, Fanny, and then the derogative F word associated with the LBGTQ people. So um, the reason it says that is she, I think, 
Mary went by Fanny and she called Norma the F word. Oh. Yeah. Number three, we did murder Martin Brown. F off, you bastard. Number four, this one's hard. You are micey. Why? Because we murdered Martian. Go Brown. You better look out. There are murders about by Fanny and old F word. You screws. What in the world? Okay. My initial reaction is those look like they're written by four different people almost. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, they're all horrible grammar, but like they escalate from each one gets worse. Right. As you go. Mm -hmm. So they're like, what in the world does this mean? It's obviously might be connected to the Martin Brown situation we just had. Right. Just keep that in your back pocket. Okay. That same Monday, Mary went to school and wrote in her journal, quote, there were crowds of people beside an old house. I asked what was the matter. There has just been a boy who laid down and died. And below it, she drew the body of a boy lying on the ground with a bottle of pills next to him that she had labeled tablet. Because that's what they call. It's kind of like how they call band-aids plasters. Oh. Um, and later, the police, the, the teacher found this after the fact. And the police saw this and were like, yeah. She knew because we hadn't even released to the public yet that there were tablets. That's what I was about to ask is like, how did she, I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm wondering if they would be like, how in the world did she know that? Right. Then on Wednesday, July 31st, three year old Brian Howe went missing. He was last seen by his parents playing in the street with Mary Bell and Norma. And when he did not return home, his family formed a search party, and at about 11.10 p.m., his body was found in a nearby wasteland between two concrete blocks that the locals called the Tin Lizzie. Someone had made a feeble attempt to conceal the body behind grass and weeds, and there was also a pair of broken scissors laying closely to his feet. Murder weapon? Could be. Could be. The coroner would conclude that Brian had died of strangulation and that he had been deceased for up to seven and a half hours before the discovery of his body. The killer had evidently squeezed Brian's nostrils closed with one hand as he or she had gripped his throat with the other. Gets worse. He was also found to have puncture wounds all over his legs. Touch the scissors. Mm -hmm. Chunks of his hair had been ripped out. His genitals were partially mutilated. And someone, there was a crude attempt that someone had made to carve the letter M into his stomach. M, M for Mary. Or, right, or his name. What's, I get, Brian Howe. Never mind, that doesn't have an M in it. So, yeah, Mary. No, I, I was going to say the first guy was Martin. But right. I would assume that's this what would I was be thinking of. Mary. Mm-hmm. Which, <laughs> good, good way to leave a clue. Uh, yeah. So, given the relatively small amount of force used to kill Brian, it was thought that the murderer was another child. I imagine they looked at his hyoid bone, which is where you're, that's your Adam's apple. And I guess if it was an adult, it would have been like completely crushed. crushed. Yeah. yeah. Due to the similarities between this case and the death of Martin Brown, police reopened Martin's case and told his mother they believed that he was murdered. The police announced that they were searching for a child killer. And out of approximately 1,200 children, two stood out instantly. Well, yeah. Would you know it? Mary Bell and Norma Bell. And I was watching interviews where this investigator was saying all of the like public uh, 
things we did where we were, you know, announcing we're looking for the killer. She was always front row. This little, everywhere they looked, little Mary Bell with her dark hair and her bright blue eyes is just sitting there. She, she, in all the searches, she helped with the searches of the two boys. She's just always there. Returns to the scene of the crime. Mm. So Brian Howe was buried in a local cemetery on August 7th, 1968, and over 200 people attended his ceremony, including a Mary Bell. According to an investigator... Who was already suspicious of Mary. I was about to say, he, were people not, did yeah, people not have eyes on they her were. at this point? Mary Bell stood outside of the Howe household as the child's coffin was brought from the home at the beginning of the funeral procession. And the investigator later said, quote, she stood there laughing, laughing and rubbing her hands. I thought, my God, I've got to bring her in. She'll do another one. Ugh. So just, you know how people, when they're maniacal, they Ugh. like rub their hands together and like giggle. Like, what? where did I, she learn? I don't know. These things. I don't know. She's like a great, just, it's like she watched a cartoon of and like a little evil. Of like all the stereotypical, yeah. 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 When the police, po- the police, I meant to say police finally, and I combined the two words went to her home to interview her. Her father threatened them and refused to let them speak with Mary. But the next day they went back, they were able to speak with her. And she reported that she saw an eight-year-old boy that she knew playing with Brian the day of his disappearance. She said later on that day, she saw the boy covered in grass and holding a pair of scissors. She's trying to frame somebody mm-hmm. else. So there are two problems with this. One, the boy she accused had an alibi. He was at the airport. They, they had that as a fact. And number two, no one had released to the public the information about the scissors. Oh, perfect. So in in her trying to frame somebody mm-hmm. else, she just like... Uh, framed herself. Framed herself, yeah. So then on the afternoon of August 4th, the parents of Norma Bell contacted the police, stating that their daughter wished to confess to what she knew about the murders. Norma said that Mary had brought her to the Tin Lizzie to show off how she had murdered the three-year-old little boy. She said that Mary bragged about how much she enjoyed killing him, going over the murder in great detail. She specifically recalled how Mary would tell the young boys that she needed to massage their neck. So she would like convince them that they had a sore throat and tell them she needed to massage their neck. Yikes. And then she explained how she cut Martin's skin with a razor blade, which she then hid at the crime scene. What's strange about this is later Norma had to like give an official written statement and she changed her story a little bit and confessed that she was actually present when the murder took place, but left the scene as Mary began to strangle the boy. So both girls. How were, are you present when the murder takes place, but you leave when the, uh, you know, begins? like she was there on the scene whereas uh, uh, beforehand. She was saying she wasn't involved uh, at all. She said she, oh, she said mm-hmm. she shut up after the fact. Both girls were formally charged on the evening of Ryan's funeral and shortly after their arrest, they underwent psychological evaluations. Which I'm going to mm-hmm. assume they failed. The results of these tests revealed Norma was intellectually delayed and a submissive little girl who easily displayed emotion. She was crying. She was anxious, showing like normal emotion. Mm-hmm. Where on the other hand, Mary was very cunning. She's extremely clever. They said that she knew how to answer a question without answering a question. And the investigators described that getting an answer out of her was like going through a maze. How? She was just extremely clever and intelligent. You have to be to be that manipulative. I know, but still. All four psychologists who assessed Mary came to the conclusion that she was suffering from a psychopathic personality disorder. I would agree. Uh, Yep. Their trial began on December 5th, 1968, and both girls were blamed. I mean, both girls blamed one another. 
Mary was... Okay, but um, if both of these girls are blaming each other, I'm going to... But also they both could have done it. You know? Yeah, yeah, but for different reasons. Yeah. One's more guilty than another. I was about to say, I mm-hmm. still would have, between those two, I would have been right. like, okay, yeah. Mary was supposedly stoic throughout the entire trial, except for one moment when she was asked, I don't know how this came up, but she was asked if she had ever strangled a pigeon and she lost it. That was the last straw for her. She began to cry uncontrollably and the entire courtroom had to take a break while she gathered herself. But in the end, neither girl confessed to the murders. The trial only lasted nine days, and on December 17th, the jury retired to consider their verdict, and they only had to deliberate for three hours and 25 minutes before coming to a conclusion. Mary Bell was cleared for murder, but convicted of manslaughter, and really the only reason she was cleared of murder was they were saying she was too young. uh, Quote, diminished responsibility is what Hmm. they called it. Norma Bell was acquitted of all charges on the ground that she was simple-minded, Upon hearing the jury's verdicts, Norma jumped up, was clapping, and Mary burst into tears. So she she yes. does know, but she like oh yeah, you knew the consequences of your actions. You you can show emotion just when it benefits you. Yeah. The prosecutor had this to say of the two girls: "Quote in Norma, you have a simple backward girl of subnormal intelligence. In Mary, you have a most abnormal child, aggressive, vicious, cruel, and capable of remorse." A girl, moreover, possessed of a dominating personality with a somewhat unusual intelligence and a degree of cunning that is almost terrifying. That's a perfect uh, not, summary. It's not almost terrifying. It's it is terrifying. Ter- yeah, it, it's definitely terrifying. But that's I'm a, scared that's I'm going to wake up summary. tonight and Mary's just going to be standing at the end of my bed and rubbing her hands together. And <laughs> Mary was sentenced to be detained at, quote, Her Majesty's Pleasure, which is essentially an indefinite sentence. Ah. Uh. I was like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. So she's 11 and nobody really thought like, what are we going to do with her? Because at the time it was considered inhumane to send its children to prison time, but she was also too young to be placed in in a hospital under the mental health act. So the idea was for Mary to be rehabilitated instead of punished. So she was actually sent to a boarding school for six years. And then when she left there, she went to what is known as an open prison where she spent another six years and essentially an open prison. I was say, I've never heard of that. Uh, they require minimal supervision. They're trusted to serve out their sentence. They can leave dur- during the day. And Mary left during the day to go to secretarial classes. But she made the headlines again in 1977 when she and another inmate escaped from the prison and spent several days out on the town going to amusement parks, just having a blast. And when the police found her, she had actually dyed her hair blonde in an attempt to go incognito. Okay, Mary. But she was returned to the prison, and her punishment was that she would lose her privileges for 28 days. I mean, at least she was just like going to amusement parks mm-hmm. and dyeing her hair. Yeah, and wasn't yeah. like she didn't kill people. anybody. During her prison stay, Mary's mother... Uh, who was obviously already a horrible person. She was just milking it for all she could. She paid to do several interviews as well as sold some of what she said was Mary's art or her writings to make money. Unbelievable. In May of 1980, at the age of 23, Mary Bell was finally released from custody after almost 12 years. So at 23, Hmm. she gets out scotch-free. She was granted anonymity, including a new name, which allowed her to start a new life elsewhere in the country under an assumed identity. And upon her release, a spokesperson was quoted as saying, quote, she wishes to be given a chance to live a normal life and to be left alone. Well, what do you think Mart- Martin I, I and know. The, I, how it, Brian wanted? How is that? 
like allowed. I feel like your punishment should at least be we you're, can know where you free. are and track you. Well, yeah, and everybody knows who you are. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, you're free, but everybody knows that you're a kid killer. Mm-hmm. And that's what you have to live with. But not her. Four, af- four years after she was released, she had her first and only child who was also granted anonymity. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. The daughter should have anonymity, but she shouldn't. Right. In 1998, she was paid a reported 50,000 pounds for collaborating with an author on the book Cries Unheard, which detailed her life. And the victim's families were outraged and the general public because Mary was essentially being paid for her crimes and they called to have her anonymity removed. As far as I found out in 2009, she had a grandchild and the mother of um, Martin was like... I hope she looks at her grandchild and thinks about every day how he will never have any, I will never have any grandchildren. Yeah. I'm sorry to say, she probably doesn't think about that. I don't think she does. I think she has, they probably need a scan of her brain. Yikes. Because she. Is she still alive? Yeah. Is she, 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 she is. Is she still anonymous? Yeah. As far as I know. Look at her eyes. Oh, I know. We'll post some I pictures know. online. That's terrifying. She has what I like to call dead eyes. Yeah. There's nothing in there. Yeah. Nothing She's, this old potato chip Rissy cup won't fix. That's what you're going to dream is mm-hmm. you're just, it's just going to be Mary Bell so standing crunchy. over you eating a eating a Reese big cup potato chip mm. cup. Mm. So who knew Mary had a little lamb could be so scary. Golly. We can start covering more nursery rhymes there's I know, lots that's of what lambs I was thinking. there's lots of nursery rhymes lots of lambs mm-hmm. a lot of them have darker backstories than that one yes. that one was just kind of like a, a weird interesting controversial mm-hmm. kind of we're also a history one. podcast welcome <laughs> Sometimes. join us mm-hmm. every tuesday every other tuesday um you can follow oh sorry Reese's she's, she's still eating Reese's puff. <laughs> um, that, that i think that's my favorite reese's puff cereal Really? Yeah. I mine was rice. I'm about to get really angry. Rice's crisp, rice crispy treat cereal, which they, they discontinued. Don't make anymore, yeah. And it was incredible. Also, love raisin bran crunch. I can't keep it in the house. Anyway, now you know. You can follow us on Instagram at Scary Tales Podcast. Um, we have a link there. You can go get you some merch if you want. You can uh, get you some snack ideas if mm-hmm. you want. You can leave us some comments if we you want. We should make a shirt that says. It's like a play on um, don't put baby in the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. And it says nobody puts Mary's lamb in the shed. <laughs> Done. Yep. Put that on a t-shirt. I got great ideas all week. Put that on a t-shirt. Hey, thanks well, for joining us. Happy we'll Easter. See you. Yeah. Happy Easter. Not this Tuesday. Next Tuesday. That's what we normally do. That's what we normally do. All right. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Reese's Reese's oh, I need your finger. I need oh. your fingerprint. Oh, let me see. Oh, it has Reese's cups on it. There we go. Reese's Puffs, Reese's Puffs. <laughs>